You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. So I'll open Holy Scripture to the reading for this morning. Psalm 84. And we're going to be paying particular attention this morning to verses 3 and 4. Psalm has a title for the director of music, according to Gedit, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Beloved in Christ, Psalm 84 expresses a deep longing. It's the same sort of longing that we find in the 25th verse of Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you? Can you relate to that sentiment? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. Is there anything on earth that you would prefer to have rather than God? Is God your all in all? How much? Do we desire God? Psalm 84 raises similar questions for us as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper here this morning. In the first two verses of this psalm, the sons of Korah express a deep desire to be in the courts of Yahweh. Now, the sons of Korah were most likely a guild of temple singers, which means that they were probably never far from the temple themselves. This has led some to suppose that they wrote this as a pilgrimage song, a song for those who would make their journey up to Jerusalem. This is plausible, I suppose, but not entirely necessary for our understanding of the psalm. What's important here is that there is this eager desire to be close to Israel's covenant God. The writer's soul is longing, even fainting, so that he can be there in the dwelling place of Yahweh. 
His whole being is crying out for his God. This man isn't satisfied unless he can spend time in worship with God, being in God's special presence. As Charles Spurgeon says, this man had a holy lovesickness upon him. This is where the sparrows and the swallows are introduced. The psalmist is thinking about the temple, that place where God dwells on earth. In his mind's eye, he goes there and he looks around. Now, you'd think that he might mention the beauty, the beauty of the gold, the elaborate ornamentation, perhaps the the altar or the holy of holies, or some other captivating element of the temple complex. There's so much to see and hear there. So much that could be said in a psalm about the temple. But instead, his eyes wander to something that's so easy to take for granted. The birds that make their homes there. Now, these are just common birds. The sparrow, in all likelihood, is just your regular, common house sparrow. If you look outside on any given summer day around here, eventually you're bound to see a house sparrow. Sometimes you can even see them inside grocery stores and shopping malls. They'll be flying around in the rafters. Now, these house sparrows are not native to North America. They were introduced here by European immigrants. The house sparrow is found everywhere in Europe. It's also found in Palestine. And apparently the house sparrow is as common in Palestine as it is here in Langley. There's nothing special about this bird. But yet the psalmist gives this bird special attention. And then there are also the swallows in the temple. Now, these birds are definitely more spectacular than the house sparrows, but they're no less common. The barn swallow, so commonly found in North America, is also found in Palestine, and it's likely meant here. These birds, these barn swallows, they they seem to fly on the high end of the mock scale, and that in no way affects their maneuverability. It's amazing. They roll, they loop, they turn on a dime. And they do this in perfect orchestration with a thousand other swallows. And since they're so common, they're easy to take for granted. But if you pay some close attention and watch them, soon you become filled with awe at the power of God's creative genius. Now the psalmist has seen these birds before and he brings them to our attention in this psalm. He says that the sparrow has found a home. They are in the temple. Now, sparrows build their nests in a variety of places, but more often than not, they do so in trees. And this fits well with what we know about the temple. Psalm 52, verse 8, suggests that there were olive trees in the temple courts. Here we can imagine the sparrows making their nests. Sparrows would feel right at home there. Not only would they have a comfortable home where they could raise their young, there would also be a steady source of food nearby. With all the people going in and out of the temple, all that human traffic, there would inevitably be food for the birds. 
As we read in Matthew 6.26, Yahweh himself feeds the sparrows and cares for them. The sparrows have it made there in the temple. They have not a worry in their lives. How the psalmist and, and we with him, how we long for that joyous and that worry-free kind of existence. The psalmist has also seen the swallows building their nests. Now, swallows and their nests can be a real nuisance. Anyone who has tried to get rid of them knows that swallows rather, are very industrious. They, they pick up pieces of grass off the ground and they pick up a little bit of dirt and they place it all in their mouths. And there the grass and the dirt mixes with the swallow's saliva to produce what will eventually be a rock-hard building material, something they can glue anywhere they want. They cement that mixture to any open wall they can find. And there is evidence that this was also the case with the temple in Jerusalem. Josephus, an ancient Jewish writer, and also some rabbinic literature, mention various efforts to discourage birds from making their homes in the temple. Undoubtedly, this included the notorious barn swallow. Now, what's really surprising is that the psalmist gives these little annoyances a positive spin. They're no longer desecrating the temple with their droppings or their nests. Instead, they're the object of the psalmist's envy. He wishes that he could be like them, like the the sparrow and the swallow. He wishes he could spend all of his time in God's presence in the temple. He wishes that he too could build his home next to the altars of Yahweh, Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, or the Lord Almighty as we have it in our translation. Now reading this, you really get a feel for how eager and how passionate this writer is. He can't contain himself. Others might consider cursing these little birds in the temple. But the writer of Psalm 84 considers these birds to be So blessed. Why? Because they can spend all of their time in the presence of the king. Those singing this psalm also today can share this overwhelming craving to be near to God. We should share it. How much do we anticipate and eagerly look forward to the weekly oasis of the Lord's Day? What about this past week? Have you given it much thought? Sure, we've all been busy. But we really should feel a longing for the day on which we have the great blessing of meeting with our God in worship. Even more so on a day like today where God promises to be here to feed us. Not only with His Word, but also with the sacrament of the Holy Supper. Where else on earth does God meet with us to feed us in this fashion? The psalm goes on to call those blessed who can dwell in God's house. Now this would seem to have reference, first of all, to the sparrows and swallows just mentioned. They dwell in God's house and that's a great blessing for them. 
They'll be praising their Creator in His house. You see, they're not just freeloaders in the temple. They have a task given to them by God. Someone once said that man is the only creature that does not praise God continually. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Especially when you hear the birds singing. It's difficult not to think that these birds are praising their Creator. The house sparrow and the barn swallow, if you've ever listened, they have long, twittering songs. They're not quiet birds. You could say that they're continually praising God with a song which extends from before the temple to us many years afterwards. Perhaps the psalmist was thinking of this fact with this line. Of course, more than sparrows and swallows dwelt in the temple. Priests and other officials were also there. They also had that privilege of living in the temple, precincts. They would also be continually praising God. The psalmist wants to be there among them. He too wants to be praising God in God's house. And how does this apply to us today? Well, whenever we read or sing the Psalms, as I mentioned earlier, we should first of all be reflecting on how they speak to us of Christ. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Do you remember how Christ described himself as the new temple in John 2? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. In other words, those who are in Christ are blessed. Those who are united to Christ by faith, such people will ever be praising God. Being united to Christ, Scripture tells us that we ourselves, individually and corporately, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's dwelling place. The longing of the psalmist, in one sense, has been fulfilled. And that ought to fill us at the wonderment, with wonderment at the rich blessings of God's new covenant people. Indeed, how blessed we are. And we can spend our lives in praising God through our service to Him. The Puritan John Trapp commented on this verse. He said, as having hearts full of heaven and consciences full of comfort, there cannot but be music in the temple of the Holy Ghost. As people united to Christ, and as people having the Holy Spirit living in us, our lives are to be characterized by praise. Sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in negativity and to get caught up in complaining about all kinds of different things. But we are corporately and individually, as those who are in Christ, to be a people of praise. We praise God in our day-to-day service. But then there's also the worship of the Lord's Day, 
what we could call the epicenter of the Christian life. Here we unite with God's people in singing praise to our mighty bulwark, this God who gave us His Son. As His covenant people, we ought to be overflowing with our enthusiasm to get together to worship Him. Psalm 84 can and must be sung as a God-given expression of the desire which should be impelling the Christian to worship. And what's more, we can also sing this psalm in joyous anticipation. Anticipation of what we read about the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. You know what that means, right? The new Jerusalem will find us dwelling with God in perfect happiness and joy. The Lord's Supper reminds us that the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. In a world filled with brokenness, a world spoiled by sin, a world where we are daily confronted with our own weakness and our wretchedness. This is really something to look forward to. Something to have a holy lovesickness for. Because when that new Jerusalem comes, when the marriage feast of the Lamb comes, then we will be like the sparrows and swallows in Psalm 84 ever praising our magnificent God in the fullness of His presence. Without any distractions, He will be our all in all. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.